0: Hi, my name's Grant Fishbook, and I am honored to be the lead teaching pastor here at Christ the King Church in Bellingham, Washington. Thank you so much for choosing to access this online content today. We really hope you'll enjoy this message. One of our values here at Christ the King is biblical face-to-face community. And so while we are so excited that you joined us today online, I really want to encourage you. Make sure that this is never a placement for face-to-face biblical community. Your story matters, you matter, and we want to see you get connected in a local church. Now, if you're here in our area, we would love to have you join us at any one of our five campuses. But if you find yourself outside of the Bellingham area, we really want you to get connected into a local church. So we hope and pray that that happens for you very, very soon. Son of man has come, eating and drinking, and his critics say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. There is no greater love than this, lay down your life for your friends. Stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Good evening, everybody. If I haven't met you before, my name is Grant, one of the teaching pastors here, and I'm so honored to be able to share this space with you. I want to encourage you tomorrow night. Uh, at the appropriate time that's listed in your program to come and join us for an hour of worship. We have been doing a series and moving in that direction and I just want to encourage you to come and to spend time uh, with us together in that space. I know you will not be disappointed because the presence of Jesus is gonna be here. So I hope you'll come and join us as well. Bill and Charlie were both passionate about Jesus. They were so passionate that as young men, they crafted a huge canvas tent and began to move from community to community preaching about Jesus until one day, Charlie saw a picture of an African mom holding a baby who was dying of starvation and a seed of doubt began to creep into his mind. How could a loving God allow that reality? The seed grew And Charlie finally gave up and left the road, and later on wrote a book called Farewell to God My Reasons for Rejecting the Christian Faith. Charlie looked at that picture and saw God as the cause. Bill looked at the picture and saw God as the answer. Bill stayed on the road, and later on he wrote a book too his autobiography called Just As I Am. They were two different men on two different paths. Charlie Charles Templeton and Dr. Bill E. Graham, the greatest evangelist in American history. When I read their story, I had one question. How could two men who were on the same road end up in such different and contradictory places? Charles Templeton, who became an atheist, was once asked about Jesus, and even though he had taken the position of atheism, he said these words, Jesus was the greatest human being who has ever lived He was a moral genius. His ethical sense was unique. He was the intrinsically wisest person that I've ever encountered in my life or in my readings. His commitment was total and led to his own death, to the detriment of the world. What could one say of him except that this was a form of greatness? Now, I want you to remember this man is an atheist and he wrapped up his summary of Jesus with these words. He said, everything good and pure I know, I learned from Jesus. And if I may put it this way, He said, I miss him. How could two men who were on the same path end up in such different places? Let me introduce you to two more men. They were both on different paths. We'll see whether or not they end up in a different place or not. The first man's an investment banker. He has a penthouse apartment on Wall Street. He's got a Bentley in the garage and a Benz for the weekend. He's got an Armani suit selection. He's got a gold Rolex and a resume to match. Life is good, but there's a hole in his soul. And he hears this sick, twisted voice that accuses him every time he thinks about himself. And the voice says, you're nothing more than a suit. You're a facade with a padded resume. You're one decision away from being exposed. You played the financial game, but you have Nothing. And there's a part of his soul that responds to that accusing voice and says, You're right. Another part of his soul, his true self, wants so much more than stuff. He's hungry for something. He just wants something that lasts. And he's troubled, so he goes looking because he hears that there's a man coming to his community who has the audacity to teach the message a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. So we finds him. Luke chapter 18. A certain ruler asked him, being Jesus' good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. All these I've kept since I was a boy, he said. And when Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When he heard this, the investment banker became very sad because he was very wealthy. And Jesus looked at him. Let's stop right there. One of the names of God is El Roy, the God who sees you. The God who saw this young man in this moment. This God who looks beyond the, the fancy exterior package or the plain exterior package and actually looks deep into your soul and knows you. Let me break out his story for just a moment. You'll notice that when he addresses Jesus, he starts with the wrong name. He calls him good teacher. If you put Jesus in the category of a good moral teacher, I would be so bold as to say, I think you're nuts. Because good moral teachers say things like, be all you can be. Optimize your potential. You're fantastic. That's what good moral teachers say. Good moral teachers don't say, actually, if you want to live, you're going to have to die first. Jesus asked them a question. Why do you call me good? Here's my paraphrase. Do you think you're good, Mr. Wall Street? And the truth is this, he's actually a good guy. Like he's a good guy. He starts listening off his resume. I keep the rules, Jesus. I look after mom and dad. I've never been unfaithful to my wife. I haven't killed anyone yet. You know, I don't steal. I'm a good person. I don't slander or lie. I'm a good boy. And it's as if Jesus agrees with him you are a good boy. You are a good boy uh, when it comes to all the rules that, that, that you can keep. But, but what about that whole no other gods before me thing? <laughs> One thing you lack. Young man, you, you worship the wrong God. You worship at the altar of currency. Now just stop for a second before we judge him. We all worship something. Always. For some of us, it's money. For others, it's status. For others, it's our kids. Sometimes it's our schedule. None of us can deny not worshiping our phone. We pay it far too much attention to deny that one. Idolatry is anything you put ahead of Jesus. Anything. This man's idol was cash. I know what mine is. What's yours? If you think this story is about money, you're absolutely wrong. And Jesus goes on. Young man, I love you so much, I'm actually going to call out your idol. You don't own your money. Your money owes you. So here's what I need you to do. Have a garage sale. Sell it all. Come and follow me. And don't forget, while Jesus is pulling at the string of this man's idolatry, he loves us enough as friends to do exactly the same thing with each of us. Jesus knows my idol and loves me enough to call it out and to call me out because that's what a real friend does. They speak truth. Sell it. And boy, this guy's got a tough choice, doesn't he? He's got a tough choice. Do I actually follow the advice of Jesus? Unfortunately, his answer is no. Makes the wrong decision. Jesus, I appreciate the input. I'm going to stick with my stuff. I'm pretty sure that it's going to fill a hole in my soul someday. And we see this predictable result. The Bible says he became very sad. Some of your translations say he walked away very, very sad sad. It's kind of a tough story, isn't it? I mean, there's no hallmark ending. Nobody's smiling at the end. It's just this conversation. If you're going to follow me, you're going to have to give up your idol. And the guy says, I can't do it. And he walks away. Jesus pivots in this moment. He starts talking about eternal wealth and he just hits this truth hard because everybody standing in the circle that day. is like, well, if you can't buy your way in, what's a person supposed to do to get in. And Jesus reinforces the pivot point. He says, look, look, you can't do it on your own. What's impossible with man is only possible with God. Only God can help you through this. That's man number one. Let me introduce you to man number two. We're going to meet him in just a moment, and they have something in common They both struggle with the same idol. I'm going to say this again. This is not about money. This is not a call to poverty. It's not about wealth. It's about worship. And I asked the same question about these two guys that I asked about Charles and Bill. (laughs) How can two men who are on the same road at the same starting point end up in such different places? Man number one, investment banker, rich young ruler. Man number two, I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once, welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter. He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up, said to the Lord, Look, Lord. Here now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. If I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. And then one of my favorite verses of all time, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. All right, if you grew up in church, you've heard it before. How many of you were singing the little Zacchaeus song in your head as soon as I started talking, right? How many of you don't have a clue what I'm talking about? That's cool, all right? Here's, here's my appeal to you right from the get-go. Don't feel bad for Zach, all right? Because you're supposed to read this and go, oh, the poor guy's short. <laughs> Politically incorrect, Right? Don't feel bad for Zach because I want you to know something. The the, the real estate banker, the investment banker, he's actually a pretty good guy. Zach is not a good guy. He's a bad guy. He just happens to be a small bad guy. He profits off of poor people. He skims money and overcharges people on their taxes. Here's what you need to know about Zach. He's a pint-sized thug. Don't feel bad for him. He's a chief tax collector, which means he's got other tax collectors underneath of him and they were all skimming and taking advantage of poor people. His job was so slimy, he was legally banned from the temple. That's like me standing on the street corner and saying, if you work for the tax department, you didn't get to come in this church. Go clean up your act and then come back and hang out with us. You need to know this. Zacchaeus would have stolen your grandma's social security and not given it a second thought. He's a thug. Don't feel bad for him. And don't make spiritual assumptions about him as well. I think I've done this until I started digging into the story. We all just think, oh, he must have been on a spiritual quest for Jesus. So he went and found a tree and climbed up. It's like, we don't know that that's true. This could be no different than if I told you, hey, guys, guess what? George Clooney's at Burlington Coat Factory. Woo, let's go check it out. I want to see George. How tall is that guy anyway? Like, I just want to see him, right? I'll climb up on the roof of Christ the King to get a picture of George. We don't know that he was on a spiritual journey. All we know is this. He's a thug. He's small. For all we know, he's up in the tree going, you people are idiots. You should have got to the tree first. Like, we don't know that this man's virtuous. All we know is he's got a broken story. I'm pretty sure sitting in the tree, though, that day, he had the same voice as we've been talking about through this whole series. I'm pretty sure there's an accusatory voice that says this. You want to see Jesus, Zacchaeus, but he does not want to see you. Your name means pure, but you and I both know you're the furthest thing from pure. You're a criminal. You're a thief. You're a liar. I think it's kind of funny, but the Hebrew translation of Zacchaeus' name actually means donation, Pure donation. How ironic is that? I'm pretty sure he was hearing that voice in his soul. Zach, you're the furthest thing from a pure donation. Someday, just so you know, God's going to tax your soul and you're going to pay. And there was probably a little piece of Zacchaeus that day that agreed with that accusing voice and says what well, we all say when we hear those lies. You're right. You know, he could have, could have walked away. could have crawled down out of the tree and taken off. But there was something stirring down deep inside of him. I think it was a question. I wonder what would happen if Jesus stopped. So, don't feel sorry for him. But crawl up in the tree with him for just a second, okay? He's a bad guy, but he makes the right choice. Jesus stops under the tree. It's as Jesus looked at him. Elroy, the God who sees him, who sees you, who sees me. And then he gives him instructions. Come down. Come down. I mean, my, my imagination just goes crazy. I'm sure he was thinking, like, you know, what if I do? What if I don't? <laughs> what if I just stay up here safely in the tree? Can I ask you a question if you're a veteran Christian? Do you do that? Do you stay safely up in the tree? I mean, Jesus is on the ground with real messy people, but you choose to stay up and above it. You're in your nice, tidy Christian bubble with your Christian friends and your Christian blogs, getting ready for your Christian retirement, wearing your Christian t-shirt, following your Christian rules, and Jesus is down on the ground saying, hey, you, I see you. I know your story. Come down here. Do you know why God wants you to come down? Because salt and light are no good when they're stuck up in a tree. So we all have a decision to make. Jesus is like, come down here with the real people. The people I came to seek and save. The people that I came looking for. The people that I can see. Come down here. Because if you stay up there, you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. Come down here. And he came down. I love that. Zacchaeus, I'll tell you what. If you come down here, then I'll come to your place. I'll come to you. I'll hang out with you. We can have a meal together. Don't listen to the muttering. They're a little frustrated with the fact that I want to have a party with you because they know you. That's okay. I know you too. But It's going to be a good lunch. I'll come to you. It's so predictable. It's just about... It just about melts my brain. Here comes the religious response, right? He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. Can you hear the mutters? They're just talking behind each other's backs. I mean, the word sinner here, just so you know, it's sanitized, right? The PG version in scripture is, is, is sinner. There's a cultural R version that's a little deeper. This is not a complimentary term. It's not like, oh, you poor sinner. No, they weren't saying that. They were inferring culturally, you're lower than a dog. You're inhuman. You're defiled. You're foul. You're not worthy of touching. You should be ignored. You're infectious. You're contagious. You're disgusting. In fact, in their response, just by calling that, here's what they're really saying Jesus, don't touch him. He's dirty. Just like we learned last week. I'm so glad Jesus doesn't play by those rules. <laughs> it's like, I'll get my hands dirty no problem. Jesus doesn't care what they think. He cares about his creation. Do you remember what the, the rich young investment banker called Jesus? He called him good teacher. Professor, I have a question. Wrong name. And if you read the narrative and break it out according to the tenses that are inside of the narrative, you realize that they're actually in the middle of lunch when a transformation takes place. And here's the first clue. Zacchaeus actually uses the right name. He doesn't call him teacher. He calls him Lord. Adonai. Yahweh. King Jesus. Savior. Shepherd friend I love that he says look Lord do you realize what he's doing he's returning the gaze of Elroy the God who sees him the shame's starting to go away the grace is starting to pour in he's actually making eye contact with God that's a definition of worship (laughs) I mean I've defined it this way so many times right it's when we take our hand and stretch for the feet of Jesus and find out that he lets us touch his face instead Tomorrow night at 6.30, you've got an opportunity to come and touch the face of God. He sees him, the God who came for him, the God who looked beyond his reputation and his facade and sees his heart, the God who came searching and seeking, the God who took on death so that Zacchaeus could live, and I could live, and Billy could live, and Tom could live, and Daryl could live, and Derek could live, and Christina could live, and Carl could live. I mean, this is really, really, really good news And let me tell you why it happens. Because the right naming and understanding of God, it always produces transformation. Listen to what he says. Look, Lord, here and now I give away half of my possessions to the poor. And if I cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. Here's what he's saying. I've spent my whole life worshiping the wrong God, but not anymore. I stole, but now I'm going to make it right. I'm actually going to pay restitution. Now here's what's fascinating. According to Levitical law, Zacchaeus should have paid 120% in restitution. The amount of what he stole plus 20% on the top. That's what the law said. Actual cost plus 20%. That was the law of the day if you were observing that law. But that's not the law he's going to observe. Because suddenly something transforms inside of him. It's what happened to Kirsten when she came and gave her anxiety to Jesus. It's what happened in this room with so many of you who came with your broken story and gave it to Jesus because in that moment of offering that restitution, we acknowledge that Jesus came to fulfill the law and in light of the fact that there was gonna be a new covenant in the blood of Jesus, it was gonna overflow from the generosity of God's heart for God so loved the world that he gave. Suddenly the tax collector is not playing by the rules anymore. He does the unthinkable. I'm gonna pay it back for, hundred percent that's crazy talk you know when you encounter jesus giving of yourself it just seems normal because that's what jesus does gives and gives and gives and gives and gives some more here's something else to notice when zacchaeus has this transformation he doesn't walk away sad In fact, there's an unexpected result. Salvation and celebration. Jesus makes a declaration. Today, salvation has come to this house. The mission of Jesus has been accomplished. The lost has been found. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And the lost one he found was working for the IRS. It's a miracle. And Jesus makes a declaration. He used to be... A crook. Former crook. Former thief. Former con man. Former liar. Former outcast. But just so everybody's clear, that boy right there is the son of Abraham. That's Jesus's way of saying, he's with me. Back off. You know, it just seems, it just seems so ironic. I mean, Before Jesus saved me from my religiosity, I was a really good judger. I could judge you within a month of Sunday. I'd look at your life up one side, down the other. If you weren't checking the right boxes, you didn't get to belong in my pretty little club. And you can see this here, right? They're murmuring to each other. It's just like he's gone to eat with a sinner. And now this guy wants to pay back restitution. This, that's not right. That can't be a genuine conversion. Where's the tears? You ought to be sad. Aren't you glad that there's no normal way to come to Jesus? Right? It's like, come on now. Simmer down, little man. We need to see some real change here. Need a little bit of godly sorrow, right? You need to do two years of discipleship before you even think about grinning around here. That's how this is going to work, All right. It's at least a year in church. Then we might let you smile. That's how this is going to go. You need tears to get to Jesus, little man. That's how this works. Zach, stop smiling. Stand in the corner. You're in Christian timeout till we tell you you're allowed to be a part of this family. Instead of, you remember that tax collector that ripped off Grandma? He showed up on her doorstep and paid her back four times the amount he stole and said the reason he was there is because some guy talked to him in a tree. (laughs) A tax collector is giving away money. (laughs) What? What? One man chooses to hold on to what is his and he walks away sad. Another chooses to release what was never his to begin with and walks into an eternity with a brand new friend. (laughs) What a story. You wanna know something else that's really cool? The offer still stands. (laughs) Jesus offers friendship and transformation to everyone. The question is, will you choose to surrender your life to someone who had the audacity to become a friend of sinners. So let's just go through the questions that I've been asking myself all week long. Where are you at today? Are you stuck worshiping the wrong little G God? Honestly, what gets more attention, Jesus or your phone? Let's be real. Do you have... The courage to lift your eyes and look God in the face, knowing that He's Elroy, the God who sees you. And and it's okay, whatever facade you may have put up, He can actually see beyond that and sees the real you. Here's the coolest thing about Him seeing the real you He sees the real you and still loves you. (laughs) It's amazing. You're stuck in a tree of comfort and religious rules. Have you elevated yourself because somehow you think you're just better than everybody else? I want to remind you, the people you're talking about are the people that Jesus said, I came to seek and save the lost. From two weeks ago, healthy people don't need a doctor. Lonely people, they need a friend. So I'm going to hang out with, with the broken masses. Now, I know some of us right now are listening to a voice of accusation and and here's what it's saying. God doesn't wanna be your friend. You're a sinner. I'm gonna remind you, you can't do any of this on your own any more than I can. That's why I love the verse that we said earlier. With man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. So if you're like me this week, I had to repent of worshiping the wrong God. If you looked at my schedule, you'd probably say, yeah, I don't see enough Jesus there. And maybe today your takeaway from this is I I need to come back and touch the face of God. Knowing he said, hey, I'll I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'm here to be your friend. And I'm a real friend, I don't walk away. Do you realize that Jesus wants to have lunch with you tomorrow? And breakfast and dinner and an evening snack. And he wants to hang out all day long. And he'll meet you where you are. How beautiful is that? So for some of us, we just need to do a gut check right now and say, I've been worshiping the wrong little G, God. For others, um, I've been seeing something transformative over the last couple of weeks. People have been sending me stories not only of their miracles, but also stories of hey, Grant, been hanging out here for years. Last week, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and everything changed. I'm just gonna keep throwing the door open because I just think there's so many more people in this community who need to have an encounter with somebody who doesn't come and say, I stand over top of you. No, I'd like to be your friend. Don't listen to the voice of accusation. Instead, listen to the voice of Jesus who said in these two beautiful stories, I came to find you, I came to save you. You are the reason that I actually came. Follow me. So I'd like to give you an opportunity to pray. We're gonna take a few moments in silence and just listen to God. And I want to encourage those of you who are veterans. We all know when we've got a false God in our life, we, we can just tell And maybe today you need to surrender that. That old grudge. That anger. That schedule. So have a moment of quiet so that we can have a personal conversation with Jesus. And then I'd like to lead those of you who are here tonight who are somewhat intrigued by the thought that there's a God who actually sees you and loves you anyway and is willing to forgive the fact that you've put something in his place so that he can take you by the hand and welcome you into his family in spite of what everybody else might be saying about you. So let's pray together right now. God, give us courage to confess and repent any false God that we have put Over you, God, thank you. for calling to your children, some of whom are hiding in a tree. Come down, you can talk to me. Thank you for your forgiveness and an opportunity to start again. Now with every head bowed, just in a sign of humility and every eye closed, just so we can focus. If you're here tonight and... You connected with either the man who walked away or the man who walked with Jesus. I need to say again on behalf of the king of the universe, for the son of man came to seek and save you. And all he wants today with you is friendship, relationship honesty, transformation. So if you're here tonight and have never received Christ as your personal Savior, I want, to, I want to welcome you right now to pray this prayer with me in the deepest part of your soul. Don't listen to the voice of accusation that's telling you you're just too broken because that's not true. Just talk to Jesus with me in the depth of your heart and pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I confess that I've put many things before you. I confess I'm a sinner, but I am so grateful for your grace today. Jesus, please forgive my sin. I turn away from all of my old idols and I choose to follow you. I ask, transform me, Jesus. (laughs) Thank you for offering me friendship. I receive you right now as my Savior, my Lord, my King. I belong to you and you alone and I'm so grateful that you see me and love me. Jesus, thank you for extending your hand towards me. I give you my life in Jesus' name. With every high head bowed in the presence of God tonight, if you prayed that prayer, I would never do anything to embarrass you, but I'd love to pray for you. If you prayed that prayer tonight, would you just slip your hand up in the air? Just stick it straight up so I can see it. God bless you. God bless you right in the back. God bless you and you. God bless you. God bless you right over here. God bless you right down here in the front. God bless you. God thank you that you're just still transforming people. God, I pray that no one tonight would walk away sad. But instead they would know there's a celebration happening in heaven right now because just one came home. And God, we are so grateful for your love and hope tonight on this Saturday night. God, continue to transform lives, we pray, in the powerful name of Jesus and all God's people said.